Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning, folks. Here's how markets are setting up for the day. We are coming off a bit of a mixed session. The Nasdaq Composite snapped a four-day losing streak. The S&P 500 as well, even as Treasury yields reach levels not seen in over a decade. That is seeing the 10-year bonds advancing eight basis points to 4.34%. Despite that, the tech-heavy Nasdaq gained 1.6% to 13,498. That is its biggest one-day advance in more than three weeks. The S&P 500 gained 0.7% to close just slightly under 4,400 points. On the flip side, the Dow Jones Industrial Average slightly underwater by 0.1% at 34,464. For more insights, we're joined by Dave Sakara. He's the Chief U.S. Market Strategist at Morningstar Research Services. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great as well. Thanks for joining us on the show. Now, I'm going to get help first to kind of make sense of what's going on. What do you make of the bounce? Because rising yields were a big reason for the recent slump. So what's changed? Now, I wouldn't read too much into any one-day market action. I was actually kind of surprised with some of what we've seen today. Uh, for example, your NVIDIA is reporting earnings this week. You know, that stock, I think, was up 8.5% today, which is really very surprising to me. Uh, we do think that that company is overvalued mm. at this point. So we really need to see very strong results out of that company this week with as much as that stock has run up thus far this year. Otherwise, I could you know, certainly see that one sell off. Yeah, so talking about run-up, is this the time to take profit and you know, lock it in? Well, we do think that it's a good time to be taking profit, specifically looking for those stocks that have run up so much this year that they're now you know, into overvalued territory and overextended. You know, there's a couple others that I would highlight we think are overvalued, mm-hmm. you know, Netflix, Oracle, Apple, Lilly. But I do think that you want to make sure that you reinvest those proceeds. You know, I wouldn't want to underweight the market at this point. It's still trading at about a 6% discount to a composite bar fair value. So I would look for those areas that are undervalued and have lagged the market rally today. Uh, I've seen a number of different opportunities in the healthcare sector with companies like Medtronic and Gilead, as well as in the consumer defensive sector like with Kellogg and Kraft Heinz. All right, so stay invested in the markets despite what's going on with all the noise. And look at some of the more undervalued sectors. You've got communications in focus. Yeah, now communications has been you know, exceptionally strong this year. It's up about 30% year to date. Uh, it was the most undervalued sector coming into the year, you know, in our view. But even still, it's now trading at a 20% discount to fair value. Now, of course, you can't talk communications without talking about Alphabet, you know, the parent of Google. That stock has also had a very strong year this year. We still think it's undervalued. We rate it four stars as it trades at a 20% discount to our fair value. But I also believe there's a lot of other, you know, more traditional mm-hmm. communications and media names that we think are undervalued. You know, AT&T and Verizon, you know, just to name two that are trading at about 40% discounts to our fair value. So just broadly, what's going to be driving the upside for the sector? 
Well, we think a lot of it is just, just the broad undervaluation. So, for example, with AT&T and Verizon, you know, that had been in the headlines the past couple of weeks. You know, we were seeing you know, reports that people are concerned about potential environmental liability for lead in their cable sheathing. You know, we think that that is you know, overdone at this point. Mm. Uh, we also have a different investment thesis for the sector. You know, we do think it's going to act more like an oligopoly going forward, which will certainly help the companies you know, improve their operating margins. Okay, so another sector you've got an eye on is real estate as undervalued. And I'm curious here because I see headlines these days around how perhaps there is a potential crisis brewing in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Well, specifically, I'd be very cautious of investing in the urban office space. That is one area that I do have a lot of concerns that we could see you know, a lot of valuations come down and, and some sell-off there. But when we look across, you know, the broader real estate market, you know, a lot of those have been brought down, you know, with the office valuations coming down. Mm. So we do see value in areas like the retail malls, the data centers, you know, residential REITs, and the healthcare sector. So we do think there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, specifically in those, you know, subsectors where we see foot traffic rebounding, as well as, you know, sectors that are going to be more levered towards, you know, international travel, you know, especially international travel coming to the U.S. as Asia reopens and uh, China specifically, we expect to see more travel to the U.S. Yeah, that's an interesting part of the equation. The China story, you've been hoping for a bigger mm-hmm. reopening story. It hasn't happened. Do you think it's going to come this year? Well, we do still see, you know, for China, the reopening story evolving. We do expect that it will be playing out over time. You know, I do think that when we think about China overall, we are looking for a little bit less GDP growth than I think a lot of people are looking for. You know, over the next, you know, four years, I think we're only looking for average GDP out of China of, you know, 3 to 5%. But I do expect that there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand for international travel. And I do think the U.S. will certainly see a lot of that travel coming out of Asia. All right. We are in conversation with Dave Sakara. He is the Chief U.S. Market Strategist at Morningstar Research Services. Now, turn our attention to some of the more overvalued sectors and you've got your eye on energy. And I'm a bit curious here as well because uh, winter is coming, so I would imagine there will be more demand for things like heating and so on. Yeah, and I think it's a matter of we need to take a look at the difference between the short-term expectations for the energy sector versus our longer-term view. So energy was the most overvalued sector, in our view, coming into 2023. You know, it has lagged the market rally, but we still think it's overvalued at this point. So in the short term, you know, we do think that oil supply does remain tight and oil prices will remain high for the next year or two. But we do think that over time, oil prices will begin to slide, specifically our long-term price forecast for West Texas Intermediate Crude here in the United States is $55 a Mm -hmm. barrel, and for Brent, $60 a barrel. So while the prices are high, you know, I would caution investors that over the longer term, we do think that they will be coming down. Well, 55 for WTI is trading around 80 and for Brent is 84. So some mm-hmm. ways to go. And another sector you're looking at is technology. We've had a bit of a run up with all the AI frenzy in the past few months. How much more upside are you looking here? Well, we actually think that technology is getting to be, you know, overvalued at this point, trading just a little bit above our fair value metrics. Now, it was the third most undervalued sector coming into the year, but I think it's up about 36% you know, year to date. Now, specifically, a lot of the stocks that have propelled the markets higher this year you know, are, you know, just 
rising to the point that we think that they're overvalued. And in fact, you know, at this point, like companies like Apple and NVIDIA, you know, we rate those uh, two stars out of five, meaning that we think they're overvalued. Now, having said that, not everything in the sector is overvalued. Mm. Uh, we do still see some select opportunities. Uh, one that I would highlight would be Uber. Uh, Autodesk, another, and Checkpoint Software, I think would be interesting for investors to take a look at today. All right, so let's take a step back and look at the earnings season. Uh, lots of commentaries to digest, mm-hmm. and by and large, it does look like we've got more beats than uh, disappointments. Uh, partly, I guess, because the bar was lowered going into the earnings season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, management you know, had definitely provided relatively conservative guidance at the beginning of this quarter. You know, a lot of people, ourselves included, you know, thought that the economy you know, was going to slow down, but the economy here in the U.S. really has been you know, stronger than expected. So I do think that you know, it's played out you know, as we expected. But really, I think the bigger aspect for investors is to look at the bifurcation between what we've seen for you know, the virtual or the online world versus the in-person or the real world. So what we saw is that early in the season, you know, in July, companies tied to the virtual or online world, you know, we're still doing very well and exhibiting very strong growth. You know, companies like Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, Meta Platforms, you know, all kind of fall into that bucket. Whereas companies that are tied to the in-person or the real world, we're seeing a lot more mixed results. So specifically, I talked to our industrials analyst, and he noted that what he calls his short cycle industrials, and those are the companies where it's a short time frame between making a product and selling that product, are still seeing continued weakness. And that really began you know, last quarter. But those long cycle industrials, the ones where it takes a long time to manufacture and then sell the product, you know, oftentimes these are financed and not as economically sensitive, still have very strong backlogs. So I think this does support our economic outlook for no recession, mm. but a slowing rate of economic growth for the next couple quarters. All right, Dave, uh, let's wrap things up with what's coming up in the next few days. And I think the NVIDIA earnings are going to be closely watched. What's the play here? Because NVIDIA's run up quite a bit in the past year, up more than 200%. It's trading around $470. Mm-hmm. When is a good time to get back into NVIDIA? How much do you need to see it come down from? Well, in our view, you know, we do think the stock has run up, you know, way too far. It's actually trading at about a 44% premium to our fair value. And when I look at our, you know, model and I look at our expectations, yeah, I don't think we're being overly conservative. I think it's just that NVIDIA is kind of the poster child for artificial intelligence. And we just have, you know, way too much investor enthusiasm in that name. So we'll see when the results come out Wednesday, whether or not they're able to you know, satisfy the market's expectations. Mm, all right. So commentary around expectations, um, I guess, to some extent, monetization plans as well for AI. So that's going to be in the mix in the coming days. We've been chatting with Dave Sekira. He's the chief U.S. market strategist at Morningstar Research Services. Dave, thank you for time today. Oh, thank you very much. Have a great day. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to the full interview, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.